Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning. It is December the 1st. December the 1st. Good morning. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, whatever time of day and night or night it is. Hello, friend. Thank you so much for including me in your day. Um, I just love spending this time together. So thank you so very much. We're going to lead off today as we do every day, asking, um, you know, me asking you, you asking me and asking uh, each other, where in the word are you today? Where in the Word are you today? Let's be spending time in the Word of God. Let's be spending time with the Lord our God before we attempt to get out there into the world that God so loves um, and represent Him, representing Christ today. That's our that's our role. That's our um, obligation. That's our challenge. That's our call. That's our commission that you and I, as ambassadors of the King and the Kingdom, would walk amidst the kingdoms of this world, reflecting His character um, and speaking words of grace uh, over other people, that the, the grace of God, the glory of God might be extended to more and more people today. So today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which is a part of our Reading the Bible Together during Advent series, which you can sign up for at MyFaithRadio.com if you have not done so already. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Genesis chapter 3. Now, when I read these verses, 14 and 15 of Genesis 3, you're going to say to yourself, this is a strange passage to be reading in the approach to Christmas. Why why are we reading this? Well, I want you to consider the one who is ultimately going to satisfy um, this passage, the one um, who is promised at the end of this passage, because our salvation in Jesus Christ, Christmas, Christmas comes because of a curse. And so the curse is identified here in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, now you're saying to yourself, what, what? We're in the Garden of Eden. Why is there a serpent? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to read the entirety of chapter 3 today to understand the context of verses 14 and 15. But trust me, the serpent is the bad guy in this passage. The Lord is the good guy. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, now, what is it that the that the serpent had done? He had led God's people into temptation. And having led them into temptation, they fell into sin. And sin entered the world. And because of sin, there is now a need for a Savior. So our salvation begins here with this curse. So listen for the first expression in Scripture of the gospel, the first promise of God to save. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, all wild animals, which means it's okay for you and I to hate snakes because there you go. 
you will, God's still speaking here to the serpent, you will crawl on your belly. Oh, I should say, it's not just that the snake is a snake here. The snake is the manifestation in this text of the enemy of God, Satan, the fallen angel, um, with whom God has enmity. There is enmity between these two. So you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, which is why as a woman, I am freaked out by snakes and I'm, I judge that to be a righteous response and between your offspring and hers. Now, what does God mean there? It's going to be put a little mark next to that portion of verse 15. Because this is where the promise comes. The promise of Jesus comes in Genesis 3, verse 15, right here. He, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The he there is a reference to Jesus. He, who's going to be born of a woman, fully God and fully man, he will crush your head, Satan, and you will strike his heel, a reference to the cross. So this passage is often referred to as the first gospel. I encourage you to read chapter 3 of Genesis in its entirety today. Ask God to illuminate your heart and mind and help you understand that the curse here in Genesis 3.15 contains a promise. The day will come when God will deliver his people from the power and penalty of sin. The curse, is, the curse itself will be crushed as one born of a woman is bruised for our transgressions and himself crushed for our iniquities. Indeed, the burden of our sin will be upon Christ, the one called Jesus, and he will save his people from the power of sin. This is the word of the Lord. This is the hope of the gospel. And God's had it in the works since literally the beginning of time. That is some good news. Hey, our friend Ben Johnson is going to join us next. We're going to have an extended conversation about the passage in Congress of the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. Yes, it is now the law of the land here in the United States of America. Um, that gay marriage is uh, not only approved by an action in the Obergefell case by the Supreme Court some years ago, but now concretized um, into law. We're going we're gonna to talk about what marriage is and why it matters and how you and I as Christians can speak into this issue today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. This is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. All right, Ben Johnson is joining us now. You know him as the rights writer. He's a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand, and we are going to talk um, extensively today about one topic. And that is the topic of marriage. Ben, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Good to be with you as always. Thank you. So what has happened in Washington that provokes this conversation today about marriage? Well, it was a passage through the Senate of the uh, bill H.R. 8404, 
Uh, its proponents call it the Respect for Marriage Act. And uh, essentially what the bill codifies is that uh, any marriage that is struck in any state has to be recognized by all 50 states. Uh, there, there was no threat to the 2015 Obergefell v. Hodges decision, but uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, in his uh, concurrence to Dobbs, asked the court to look at several other cases. They said, we essentially, we have to strike while the iron's hot. There were several other cases that were badly decided along with Roe in the same sort of uh, general legal uh, uh, opinion that uh, pervaded all of them and that we should look at them, one of them being Obergefell v. Hodges, one of them Griswold v. Connecticut. So two bills came out, one uh, allegedly focusing on contraception, although it, it would also uh, uh, protect uh, abortion-inducing drugs, and then this bill, which uh, uh, says essentially if Obergefell v. Hodges ever is overturned, then if any state recognizes gay marriage, all 50 states have to recognize gay marriage. The original version of this bill had uh, no religious liberty protections. It had also no protection against polygamy. So uh, these these were added. The, uh, the additions were really sort of uh, inept uh, and insufficient. So I want to talk with, um, I think that you and I could have a conversation today um, that's redemptive uh, by reminding each other and those who are listening of what marriage really is um, and why it deserves our um, defense in the culture, even in the midst of a culture that says um, this is a private matter and this is about sexual gratification or this is about um, human happiness or what people want. Um, and we can have a conversation about why marriage matters from Genesis to Revelation, um, why marriage matters in terms of government, like why government would even regulate such a thing. Um, and we can have, I think, a conversation about, um, you know, sin is different than like, you know, crime or what's legal, but morality is morality and it's either moral or it's immoral and you you really can't have it both ways so can we wander around in some of those um subject matter areas here in just a moment let's let's pull those threads all right so you're listening to mornings with carmen i'm carmen LeBurge. ben johnson and i are going to have an extended conversation about marriage why it matters what it really is in the midst of this um, national discourse that's now taking place because of the passage of the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, this is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com and then be assured of our prayers for you in the spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Ben Johnson, you can find him at The Washington Stand. Um, ben, marriage, um, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, male and female, God created it, God ordained it, it is um, 
intended to help us see and live into the reality of eternity um, as part of the bride of Christ. Can you just talk a little bit about what marriage really is? Well, as you say, marriage pervades the entire Bible. When you look at the very first chapter of Genesis, you have God's creation of uh, the entire created order, and there's a man and a woman in a marriage. You look at the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, and you have God and a bride. So it pervades the Bible literally from beginning to end, this mutual relationship of man and woman in a lifelong permanent union blessed by God, uh, where two people with different uh, views and, and uh, complementary nature are attracted to one another, and they, they end up populating the entire earth. Every, every child who is alive today, one way or the other, traces themselves back to the very first marriage that God created. And we learn in the New Testament that this is a reflection of the way that God looks at his covenant with his bride, the church, that it has a, a deeper significance, that uh, marriage is in fact the very core of the way that God relates to the world, of this self-giving, this self, um, self-annihilation, uh, this complete giving of himself for others for the sake of love. So marriage truly pervades everything that has to do with the gospel relationship of Jesus Christ and his children. And so I feel like understanding that um, and and being prepared, you know, when people will say things like, well, you know, Jesus never, never condemned uh, gay marriage. And, and I can say, OK, but Jesus did affirm male-female marriage. He affirmed male-female creation. He affirmed um, marriage as instituted by God at creation. Um, Jesus affirmed and confirmed marriage by attending one and blessing um, uh, in his first recorded um, sign by by John in his gospel at the wedding at Cana. I mean, I, I think that there are opportunities for us if we are honest students of Scripture to answer the cultural questions of the day um, in a way that is honest to Scripture, honest to God, honest to our Christian convictions, um, even as the culture says, you must allow for people to do whatever they want. Um, and And I would argue that from from the perspective that marriage is something that matters to the government. That's the only reason the government would regulate something like marriage, right? Is that somehow it matters to government. So why does marriage matter to government? Why, why is the government involved in the definition of marriage? Right. The only reason that uh, marriage matters to government is not so much uh, for the two people who are involved in a private relationship. There've been private relationships from the dawn of time, the reason that government is involved is because when men and women uh, are conjugally joined to one another, you're going to end up with children. And the question is, who has the responsibility of caring, providing, and raising those children? And that's where government becomes involved. Uh, men are usually, according to studies, uh, the ones who are less attached in any marriage. It's, it's simply part of male nature. Uh, evolutionary psychologists and, and uh, scientists have their own theory as to why that is, but Men have um, um, less of a commitment generally, and the law is there to assure that some cad doesn't run off and fail to provide for the child that he produces. So that is the primary interest in government is to say one man and one woman are joined to one another for life, and the children that they produce have a right to be raised by their mother and their father, both of them, uh, and to be supported by them. And if someone is not 
uh, living up to their obligations as the parent of this child. And the government has an interest, a compelling interest in seeing the children are raised well, because that's going to be the next generation of citizens. As we know, that, that view of marriage dovetails with precisely the marriages that Jesus blessed at the wedding of Cana. And we believe in, in the classical Christian tradition that it was Jesus who was the, the one who was the, the primary mover in creation, who gave the uh, revelation of the law in the Old Testament to Moses. He was the one who inscribed the uh, stone tablets with his finger. All of this goes back to him. So Jesus repeatedly blessed male and female marriage, but uh, not any other kind of union. And the government has an interest uh, in preserving the fruit of that union because it's going to be the next generation of citizens. Okay, so wait just a minute, Ben. Um, if government's compelling interest in marriage is really children and who raises them and how they are raised, then the government must think that how children are raised and who raises them actually matters. And so if government is now actively engaged in um, multiplying the the ways in which people might join together in some kind of relationship called now called marriage. Um, but those are going to be fruitless in terms of reproduction. I mean, they're, they're going to be fruitless. I mean, specifically if we're talking about gay marriage, it, it is going to be a fruitless marriage in terms of reproduction. It, it, there's no reproductive capacity there. Um, then, the government is actually saying, hey, it's okay with us if there are marriages that do not produce children. And then we've also got the government heavily now involved on the abortion front um, where the government is saying it's okay with us if children who are conceived are actually not born. And then on the education front and the medical front, we have the government saying, hey, we actually know better than parents in terms of uh, of how children should be educated and raised, particularly in this area of transgenderism. Like, I'm connecting some dots here, Ben, and I'm getting a little angry as a member of We the People, who are supposed to be the government of the United States. Uh, the government uh, is calling for us to, quote-unquote, respect marriage, but it has no respect for our faith or for our role as parents, which is primary. Uh, you know, political order was was created uh, in order to to protect and preserve the citizens, but uh, they're primary institutions that are pre-political that go before the formation of government. Family is the most primary unit uh, of human civilization, as we say, going all the way back to Genesis 1. Families are the foundation of every civilization and society in human history. And it's always been the understanding that the parents know best how to raise their own children and uh, that uh, the, the government's job primarily is to affirm those decisions and assure that parents are doing their job by raising their children. Instead, what we are often seeing in the public schools and elsewhere is a desire for government to replace the parents, uh, to separate children from their parents, to tell children, you may be uh, a, a teenager, but you have a better idea of whether what gender you are than your parents do, and we're on your side, not on theirs. We won't even tell them the decision that you make. Uh, we affirm your decision and we contradict their decision if uh, the parent's view differs from that of the child. Uh, and as you mentioned, abortion, uh, uh, the promotion of contraception in, in the schools, distribution of contraception without parental notification in schools, all of these things undermine parental decisions, undermine biblical morality. And at the same time, they are taxing citizens to do so. So they're taking your money and raising your children in a way that conflicts with your values. So you have every right to be upset at the current status of, of what's happening. Uh, by the way, I should say, 
although this has passed the Senate, this bill, there is still a chance to stop it in the House. Uh, now, the House probably will will uh, uh, vote for it because it's already passed the House once. But it, since it's been amended in the Senate, it does need to go back to the House. There is an opportunity for people to at least change some of the votes and, and perhaps uh, make some people who voted for it reconsider based on the way that this is going to turn everyone who believes in marriage into Jack Phillips. So uh, I, I think that that's, that's uh, important uh, and worth saying. This bill, if it uh, if it goes through, and it, it likely will, but there there is an opportunity perhaps to stop it. Uh, if it goes through, you're going to see the government involved, not only in public schools, but bring that into every sector of public activity, tax-exempt status for religious institutions and for private businesses as well. All right, here's my appeal this morning. Um, as Christians, let's be on the forefront of redeeming marriage. Let's start with our own and those um, closest to us that we have the ability to influence. Let's let's start there. Let's be people of redeemed marriages who are actively seeking to redeem marriage. Let's be people who are actively seeking to redeem fatherhood and motherhood. Um, let's be people who are actively seeking to redeem what it means to be family and what it looks like to be a family of faith um, and how God draws people into the family of the church who are fatherless or motherless. Let's be shepherding the hearts of the next generation. Um, let's see the church return to her rightful place in the life of the culture. Like part of this conversation is that um, the church needs to take a look at herself and regain her footing um, in terms of where we stand um, and how we shepherd the hearts of emerging generations. So all of that is wound up in the conversation uh, today related to RFMA. That's how you're going to see it referred to. Um, the Respect for Marriage Act, RFMA, that's the four letters you're going to be looking for in terms of the chatter of the day. And you and I, in terms of those conversations, need to be talking about creation, created order, being made in the image of God, God's affirmation of marriage between one man and one woman, um, God's affirmation of marriages that are producing of children, what that looks like to be good moms and good dads, and what it looks like to be the family of faith um, for those uh, for those um, individuals who are not a part of what might be considered an intact family. And I know that's a lot of us. Um, and so I get it. So let's be the people who are on the redeeming edge of these conversations. Ben, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight um, in, into these cultural matters of the day. Love the word, especially the most important way that we can respect marriage is to respect God's order in our own marriages and our own families. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. What are you praying about today and what are your prayer concerns? One of the things that we um, invited people to do as they participated in our One Day Winter fundraiser was to share their prayer concerns with us. Um, I have 52 pages of eight-point uh, eight point font uh, prayers. Um, obviously, we're not going to read each and every one of them today, um, but I want to give you a sense of... Um, what folks are asking for. Um, I'm believing um, in God's help for my health. Um, please help me prayerfully believe for what seems otherwise impossible. Please pray for our pastor 
he isn't in a healthy place. Please pray for our son. Um, Ask that God would redeem him and restore him. I'm 87 years old, and I don't know where my daughter is. Please pray that we be reconciled before I pass to glory. Please pray for my marriage. I don't know what we're going to do. I know we're not living God's best. We're both depressed and angry. Moving forward seems impossible. There are um, prayers for health, prayers for redemption, prayers for God's grace and his glory to be revealed. There are lots of prayers for the nation. Most of the prayers are for the impossible. And you know what? That's where God operates the best, right? When we come to the end of ourselves and we recognize that, God, there's nothing we can do and I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Um, we've arrived at a place where God delights um, in doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so I want you to open your heart and open your hands today and receive what God is pouring forth in terms of grace because his mercies are new every morning and his grace is all sufficient. He hears your prayers, even when you speak them in sighs and groans too deep for words. He hears you. Even when you feel like the darkness is so dark, there's no way light could shine. God shines a light. And so I want you today to live in the place of faith and not fear. We are a people of prayer and we are praying for one another. So be praying today for people walking in darkness Because God promises a great light and he sends it in the person of Jesus and we receive him. And then we become luminaries of that same light into the darkness in which others are living today. And so even if you feel like all you have is a tiny little bit of light, I want you to let your light shine today. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to let Satan put it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let your light so shine before others today that they would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. Even as we pray that God would send forth other believers as points of light into dark places and spaces where our loved ones are now living, where we, we cannot go, but God has his people in those places too. And so I'm praying with you that God would shed the light of his love, shine the light of his love in the dark place where your beloved is right now. Will you pray the same for mine? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Kathy Branzell is going to join us next from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. We're going to talk about how we pray in preparation for um, that which we don't know is going to happen, but that which is always on the horizon of happening. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When the church starts praying, strongholds start to break up when we pray. One of my uh, favorite sisters in Christ in all the world, Kathy Branzell, is joining us again today. It delights my heart to welcome you back, Kathy. Happy, uh, happy Advent. Mm, good morning, friend. Happy Advent. 
Good morning. So um, it, it seems as if catastrophe is on the horizon in every direction. And I don't want to be the like doomsday girl. I don't want to be the <gasps> like, right? But I also want us to be prayerfully preparing to respond um, for yes. both the, the good, the bad and the ugly. Like, right. So can we talk today right. just kind of broadly about living, as you call it, prayerfully prepared? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm so glad. I mean, this isn't a, a doomsday um, mindset uh, that brings anxiety and fear and worry. This is um, what we want to talk about is wisdom. Mm. God's given us, God, God has given us a brain and, and walking with God brings wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And so we are supposed to watch the signs of the times and be prepared. Um, you know, it's why you put some money away for a quote unquote rainy day. It's why we check our smoke detectors. It's why we have flashlights in case the power goes out, but we don't walk around with that flashlight clenched in our hand, scared that the power is going to go out. We get to walk in peace because we're prepared. And so it is um, in prayer and practical preparation for what could be so that what could be doesn't take a grip on us and catch us off guard. All right. I like prayerfully, practically prepared. That is a good, those are good. Um, I like those words together, prayerful mm-hmm. and practical. Those those both sound like me. So I, I like That's those. Nice. I like those words. Um, so you, um, we could use examples from either of our lives here um, to talk about this. Um, to talk about the the things that happened in a moment that we may or may not have been practically prepared for, but we were able to walk through them because we were prayerfully prepared. Can you think of right. an example from your own life where maybe that has been true? Oh, um, hundreds. I wrote four. I wrote four yeah. down from your life, so I feel like yeah. <laughs> I feel and and like... I, I would say the two big ones that you know our audience after the privilege of getting mm-hmm. to spend so much time with you all um, every month, it, you know, is our cancer journey, my mm-hmm. personal cancer journey, you know, to have a baby in July and be diagnosed with a brain tumor in November. Okay. That's not something that, you know, you is on a calendar, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, to be healed for a year after a 14 year battle, So also think what's your response going to be when good things happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that as well. But then, uh, you know, 13 months later, my son gets diagnosed with a rare blood cancer. And, and the reason we didn't crumble is because we were spiritually prepared. We were prayed up every day. We were filled with the word of God. His word abided in our heart. And we knew the God we worshiped. We knew the Jesus we followed who doesn't change in our ever-changing circumstances. He is our anchor of hope. Um, He's the one who keeps us from getting thrown to and fro 
in the changing circumstances of life. And so to be able to say, okay, well, today is different, but God is not. That That is the firm foundation, the prayerfully um, prepared moment. And, and um, you know, for, for other things of, uh, you know, if there was some sort of loss of job or if there are um, weather, you know, I live where there's hurricanes, um, those kind of things, then of course we're going to get candles and flashlights and water and food that can be eaten without electricity needed to heat it up. And, you know, we're going to fill our car up with gas. We're going to do the practical things. I'm not going to sit in my prayer closet and go, okay, Jesus, protect us. While he's like, I've given you a brain and you know what you need to do to practically be prepared. Um, but don't fear. Don't, don't yeah. fear. Yes. That faith over fear is, um, is just a critical component to this conversation. So we're talking mm-hmm. with Kathy Branzell. We're talking um, about being prayerfully prepared and practically prepared um, as people of faith walking in the midst of uh, of these particular days. Like these are the days that God has deigned for us to live um, with yes. all of the blessings that we enjoy. One of the conversations we had last night, Kathy, as we were putting up our Christmas tree and um, we were just reflecting on the times in which we live and we were doing so, you know, in the, in the most positive of spirits. And <laughs> Jim said, you know, we enjoy things today that kings, kings of old could have never even imagined. Right. Um, you know, I mean, electric light being one of them. Um, and uh, and so, you know, our ability to, you know, make four different kinds of cookies last night so that we could uh, do what we always do when we put up our Christmas tree, right? That even the capacity to do that, the ability to do that, you know, the looking up a, a recipe, a new recipe on the Internet or, um, or turning on the oven and it being, you know, 375 degrees within a couple of minutes, like those kinds of things, um, or running to the store and getting some baking powder, um, like, in a right, car. those in, yeah, in, a, in a car, yeah, well, not and, on a horse. <laughs> I don't even know what baking powder is. Like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm so glad it exists because it makes it possible for me to make the cookies that I made last night. So like, right. right. So I think that, you know, I mean, the chemistry involved, the, the, all of the things that we enjoy that we totally 100% take for granted. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, the the practical part of this and then the preparing our hearts and minds during this season as we prepare our homes and as we um, prepare for parties and those kinds of things, like really being prepared um, to receive right. the Christ child. Yes. And, and so, you know, that's the keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your heart, you know, filled with scripture, um, all of those things, whether we're talking about you know, a, a, a weather incident, um, violence, you know, all of these things that we hear about in the news, but also all of the things, you know, that uh, before I came on, you know, I got to pray with you as you were reading out prayer requests. I prayed over the prayer requests that you were reading. And there is a, a heaviness and a hardness um, mm. just Throughout America right now, we're hearing it from everyone. We our email box um, and phone lines are just packed with people who want prayer. Uh, the people around us, just there's this heaviness, almost uh, 
a hopelessness. Um, and so just like I would prepare for um, any incident, uh, you prepare to go into a job, you learn, you prepare your kids, you do fire drills, you know, because in the moment of the catastrophe, in the moment um, of, of, <laughs> of the bad news or the fire in the house or whatever, you know, the logical part of your brain shuts down because you're flooded with adrenaline. And, um, and so that's why you do fire drills, uh, so that your core conscious kicks in and gets you safely out of the house. And so the same is true. I want to encourage everyone in the season, um, for the holidays mm -hmm. that we start prayerfully preparing. Now we really stepped into it with Thanksgiving in this whole season and in Advent, but hope you know, mm -hmm. hope mm -hmm. right now. Um, hope isn't, you know, make a wish upon a star. Our hope is in Christ. And so how do we walk out these holidays in Christ, for Christ, focused on Christ? And what can we do to practically prepare for peace in our house, for joy in our house? Um, it's why I start so early, so that December is focused on the reason for the season and every season, but what can I do to make sure I don't Shanghai, um, you know, and sabotage our holidays because mommy's freaked out wrapping present or trying to get that last minute thing or, you know, yay, we decorate our trees before December 1st. Absolutely. Um, so we don't bring chaos into an already, um, high anxiety or, or high energy situation, but beyond that, I think about the 85-year-old woman who doesn't know where her daughter is. Yeah, me too. Me Prepare too. Prepare for her to come home. Um, we had a reconciliation in our family just before Thanksgiving, a long, dry spell of just, you're dead to me, you know, kind of thing. Mm. And And when it was reached out and, hey, yes, I want to see you, the best advice I could give our family was, leave the past in the driveway. We prepared in prayer for what we were going to walk into. Was it going to be a let's rehash the last several years? Let's rehash all those feelings. Or were we just going to meet that person where they were today and be joyful in the reconciliation? And that was the choice we made. And it was beautiful. Mm. Nothing. It, it, here's, here's my word for everybody today. And we're probably going over but here's what God showed me in the last couple of weeks. When you leave the past in the past, you completely steal all of its power to ruin your present. You disarm the enemy in your present when you leave the past in the past and leave it with Jesus. And that's what we chose to do. And it was beautiful. And I'm so grateful. Kathy, thank you so much um, for sharing that. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment. I'm going to um, I'm going to specifically plumb um, a couple of things that you raised. Um, you've referred a couple of times today to fire alarms and um, preparing to hear them and responding um, to their call. And so um, I know that I'm going to tread into very tender territory, but I'm going to ask you to um, talk about being prepared for 
the absolutely blindsidingly catastrophic news that sometimes comes to families. We're talking oh. with Kathy Branzell, and we're talking about living a prayerfully prepared life. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, did you hear the news recently? There are now 8 billion people in the world. My name's Carmen LaBurge. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Here at Faith Radio, we are telling the whole world about Jesus and helping believers live out their faith every day. If you'd like to help us do that, you're still needed. Your financial support changes lives. You can make a difference with your gift right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Help us reach the world for Jesus Christ. No more lives torn apart wars would never stop. Continuing our conversation with our sweet friend, Kathy Branzell. She heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Uh, Kathy, you just said, um, when we leave the past in the past, you completely steal its power to rob you of the joy of the present. Um, so thank you. Um, and we will continue plumbing that wisdom um, in, in, the, in, in the moments, in the days, in the weeks to come. Um, when we talk about living prayerfully prepared, um, how do you prepare for what is just blindsidingly catastrophic? Um, and you referenced fire alarms a couple of times. And so I just thought I would step as tenderly as I can into this part of your family story as well. Yeah. I, um, and I, you're referencing my cousin um, waking up in the middle of the night um, a couple of years ago and she was hot um, and she thought her air conditioning wasn't working. And so she opened her main floor downstairs bedroom door to see her house engulfed in flames, um, completely destroyed by flames. It was only the stonework in the outer part of that house that was holding her bedroom together. And she lost her two children. They were taken by the fire. Um, Sean and Morgan, and interesting you bring this up, Morgan's birthday was two days ago. Mm. And um, and the children both perished in the fire, and that that's just uh, you know that's not a get the flashlight, get the candles, get the food, water ready. That is a what just happened. This can't be real. This is a nightmare moment, um, which goes back to the prayerfully prepared, the being. Um, to be filled with faith, to be able to walk through um, indescribable pain. And I've been so proud of my cousin and she continues to post. She, you know, she doesn't want anybody to forget Sean and Morgan. Mm -hmm. um, she wants to celebrate their life every day, but it is, she, she continues to post. It's only through the power of Jesus it's only through prayer. And she knows that God is carrying her in the days that she can hardly crawl out of bed. She crawls into the arms of Jesus and lets him carry her through the day. Uh, I don't know how people who don't believe in God get through things like that mm -hmm. um, to be absolutely destructive. Um, well, and, and coming alongside um, people who we know have experienced extraordinary loss in the past um, yes. and acknowledging 
that this time of year is really acutely difficult for them. Yes. And just being willing to say, hey, I don't remember all the details. I don't even remember the time of year, but I remember uh, an extraordinary loss in your family. And mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that with you. And I want to say, um, I'm, I continue to grieve with you. Um, is there something, you know, about that you want to talk about? Like just opening up some opportunities for conversation this time of year that allow people to um, continue to grieve those losses because those losses continue to be very real. It's acute. Right. It is It is still an acute yeah. loss every day for your cousin. Um, and yet right. even you who live, you know, in very close proximity to her in terms of a heart person, um, you don't carry that grief every day in the same way or um, or with the burden that she does. But um, turning to our friends, our neighbors, people at church, co-workers, and being able to say, hey, I don't remember all the details, but I know you live with it every single day, and I just want to acknowledge it. And if you want to talk about it, like, I'm, my ears are open. I'm, I'm here. Absolutely. Yes. Being a good listener is such a gift to people. To just say, let's. It, it, do you want to talk about him or her? I mean, we're we're walking through this right now. I'm sure for at National Day of Prayer um, Task Force, and personally, with the shocking loss of my 23 year long friendship, and uh, you know, he was uh, the chairman of our board for over 20 years, uh, Dave Butts, mm. and mm. and we were just shocked. Um, even though he had been battling cancer, um, when he passed last Saturday morning, it was shocking because the original prognosis was, you know, that he, w- we would have him at least through an, at least one more national day of prayer, you mm-hmm. know, not having him with us in DC next May was unthinkable. You know, um, there was no sense of urgency um, about, secession plans or you know any it, it, mm. it wasn't going to be this fast mm. and so whether whether it was a week ago or 20 years ago going to people be- and saying do you do you want to share some memories um do you need to talk back through the trauma of when it happened that there's yeah. the uh, faith comes by hearing moment and mm-hmm. so when people yeah. go through a tragedy and they start uh, retelling the story, never stop them. Amen. Let them finish the story because for them, getting to the end of the story reminds them they're still breathing. They're still Amen. Here. We'll, be, we'll be back for another hour in just a moment. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, Click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.